0: What are we discussing on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast? Will Jordan Lawler crack the D-backs opening day roster? Comparing Eduardo Rodriguez to Madison Bumgarner? And where does the D-backs rotation rank in the NL West? You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast Welcome into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to who? Always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, a multimedia journalist and a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. To see more of my work, please follow me on Twitter at CareerThomas24 for my personal account or look up Locked on Dimebacks, both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free. It's available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. Now, on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about where the D-backs rotation ranks in the NLS, comparing Madison Bumgarner to Eduardo Rodriguez, and will Jordan Lawler crack the opening day roster. But did you know, today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Game time. Best place for last minute seats. But now let's get into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Let's talk about will Jordan Lawler be on the D backs opening day roster? Because I asked this question to you guys because it surely feels like the D backs want him on the roster. It feels like they want him there opening day. And a lot of that feeling is because Mike Hazen has been pretty open and candid about wanting. Jordan Lawler to get opportunities he said in a presser this week like he wants to get Jordan Lawler as many opportunities as possible at the start of the 2024 season so if your GM is openly and candidly talking about how we want to get you playing time to begin the season then I have to believe the D-backs organization and probably Toy Lovello too the manager feels similar to to Jordan Lawler. Have the D-backs made moves where they could go in a different direction as an opening day backup shortstop? Yeah, they have Kevin Newman and Jace Peterson, even got some guys in the minor leagues if you want to do that, but Jordan Lawler comes into the camp this year already on the 40-man roster and as the top prospect in the D-backs organization. I would not be surprised at all if he made the opening day roster as the backup shortstop. I believe there's Three good reasons why he should win the backup shortstop job. Uh, The first one is the precedent has already been set for Jordan Lawler. The second reason is Lawler is way more talented than any other candidates vying for the backup shortstop. The third reason is he doesn't need to be great immediately. Now, let me talk about that first reason. The precedent has already been set, has already been set. We saw this with Corbin Carroll back in 2022. The D-backs called up Corbin Carroll very late in the 2022 season, gave him a little cup of coffee, gave him a taste of the big leagues late in the year, and the very next season, that was Corbin Carroll's full season campaign where he played with the D-backs from opening day to the final game of the World Series, and he, of course, of course, Corbin Carroll made a fantastic impact, made a made a fantastic impact for the D-Backs, but that's what we're going to potentially see with Jordan Lawler if the D-Backs go down the same path. The precedent has been set already where Corbin Carroll, you call him up late one season, and then the very next season, full year rookie campaign. That could be like what Jordan Lawler just did with the D-Backs at the end of 2023. We got called up late in the year, and then he can win the backup shortstop job, be there from opening day, and just get some decent playing time under his belt this year because – if he does win the backup shortstop job, then honestly, I think Jordan Lawler will sneakily play a lot of games for the D-backs this year. I think he will actually platoon a lot with Geraldo Perdomo and play a lot against left-handed pitchers. I think he would actually play enough where he could be considered for a rookie of the year if he plays well, of course. So despite Lawler being on the young, on the younger side in terms of his development, Carroll was only a few months older than him when he debuted. Like Carroll was 21 years old when he debuted in 2022. Jordan Lawler was 20 years old. But I just don't think the age should even matter right now. Like if you're good enough to be on the major league level and go against major league pitchers, then you should be playing with the D-backs. And Corbin Carroll was someone that was definitely ready to go against major league pitching. If the D-backs feel the same about Jordan Lawler, maybe they don't think he's ready enough to be every day, 162 shortstop, but if they think he's better than what the other candidates that they currently have on the Major League roster, and he's better than just staying in AAA or staying in A and going against that competition, then why not put Jordan Lawler on the opening day roster? And to be honest, I think Carroll showed That sometimes the best ways to develop is to be thrown into the fire. I think we also saw the best of Brandon Fott last year when he was under duress. Right, He started the season slow, but as the season went on, as the games got tougher, as the games meant more, Brandon Fott got better. Corbin Carroll did have a second half swoon, but he picked it up right for right in time for the stretch run to get into the postseason. And of course, those first couple rounds of the playoffs, Corbin Carroll was very good as well. So for Jordan Lawler, maybe throwing him into the fire right now is the best way for him to develop. On to the second reason. Lawler, just straight up more talented than any of the other backup shortstop candidates. Like outside of a Blaze Alexander, I don't want anything to do with all due respect With the Kevin Newmans or the Jays Petersons of the world, like those guys just aren't dynamic enough for me. At least a guy like Blaze Alexander, if he won the backup shortstop job, I do think that would be interesting. His bat to ball skills seem pretty good like his bat seems like could be major league ready right now it seems like he has good contact skills decent speed has been able to add more pop to his bat and has a really good glove like i think blaze alexander actually makes sense as a backup shortstop if you don't want to give it to jordan lawler but the other guys i think they're just jags the newmans and the petersons like they can't hit they don't have power Peterson has a little bit of speed. Newman has none. They're not good defense players. They're not good platoon players. Like, I don't know what those guys bring to the table that would actually help this D backs team get back to the postseason. Like, what skill set do they bring where you're like, oh, that's actually valuable to this D backs ball club? Like, I just don't think they have one. So, why not just give it to Jordan Lawler then? If he's better than any other candidates better than any of the other candidates he's going against, and the final reason why I would do it is because you don't need Jordan Lawler to be great immediately. He can learn under the wing of another young shortstop in Geraldo Perdomo, who, let me fact check that again, all-star shortstop Geraldo Perdomo. So he would be learning under a short, he would be learning under an all star shortstop who's really not that much older than him, to be honest. And Jordan Lawler would also be in an environment that has an expectation of winning. A winning environment, I think, is so important for a player's development. The D backs already have a super deep lineup with a great mix of young talent and veterans. It would be great if Jordan Lawler rookie year was very Carroll-esque if he immediately ran out the gates and was making flash plays on both offense and defense and smashing doubles and stealing three bags a game like that would be very nice if he did that out the gates but to be honest the D-backs don't need him to like all that success would be just the cherry on top of the D-back season The D-back's success this year as a team is not dependent on Jordan Lawler. It is probably dependent on Corbin Carroll, but it is not dependent on Jordan Lawler. Their lineup is deep enough where if Jordan Lawler is a non-factor this year, it really doesn't play too much into the D-backs' long-term plans for this season. But what the D-backs do want to see from Jordan Lawler this year, improvement in the bat, flash the star talent, and be a good defensive player and base runner. I think the last two, The defense, the base running part, I think that's something he can help out with the D-backs right now. And it's why I think Jordan Lawler should be on the D-backs opening day roster. Now we'll talk a little bit. Madison Bumgarner versus Eduardo Rodriguez. Comparisons, likes, dislikes, how are they same, how are they different? We'll talk about that in segment number two. But if you are going to catch some D-back spring training games this spring training... The best place to buy your tickets, of course, is going to be game time because game time is the best place for last minute tickets. See the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All in prices show your total upfront, so you know you're getting a great deal before you check out. Buy tickets in seconds with two taps. They're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. Find exclusive flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. With zone deals, you pick the section and game time picks the seats for big time savings. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account or redeem code locked on for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Let's discuss a little E Rod versus Mad Bum because I want to discuss if E Rod can be everything that Madison Bumgarner. Wasn't because that Mad Bum experience was not a good time. It is crazy to go back and look at the stats, which we'll talk about later in this segment. But Mad Bum expected to do a lot, and he ended up doing nothing for the D-backs. When both Mad Bum and Erod were signed, they had the same mission in hand. Get the D-backs back to the playoffs. That's the mission. Well, that was the mission for Madbum. That is the current objective for Eduardo Rodriguez. We'll see if he could do it. Mad Bum, unfortunately, I mean, he was on the, the roster at some point last year, so I guess he did help the D-backs get to the postseason. It is kind of crazy. If the D-backs won the World Series last year, Mad Bum would have gotten a World Series ring. And speaking of Mad Bum, of course, when just comparing him to Eduardo Rodriguez, both of them are coming in. With similar mystiques and aura in terms of the expectations that D-backs fans are putting on them. Because Mad Bum coming in as this career workhorse, playoff scars, wounds all over his body like he's the toughest guy on your ball club, in your clubhouse. This is a dude who is pitching until his arm is falling off. This is someone who will go start three times in a world series like he does not care and when he was signed by the d-backs we knew he wasn't the mad bum that we saw in the world series but we still thought he could be a frontline rotation arm maybe we didn't think he was a number number one anymore all bold but we still thought he was a frontline rotation arm if he was a number two pitcher a really good number two pitcher for the d-backs we would have been happy with the signing erod coming in similar vibes He's coming in to fill in a void in a World Series rotation. We saw this d backs rotation pitch really well. Zach Allen struggled at times, a little bumpy, but he stepped up when we needed him the most. Merrill Kelly was dominant the whole time. Brandon Fott was a revelation. But when you got to that game four, that's when things got dicey because, of course, the D-backs, had to go with the opener and put a bullpen reliever guy out there to start the game, and that is not what you want to do in the postseason. So Erod coming off an all-star season, supposed to slot right into that middle of the rotation. Again, supposed to be the D-backs number three. He does have the talent of a guy that could be a number two starter. So both of these guys have expectations or had expectations to perform when they were signed by the D-backs. But as we all know, Mad Bum did not meet those expectations and was absolutely horrendous for the D-backs. His career ERA with the D-backs over the course of three and a half seasons, 5-2-3. A 5-2-3 ERA over how many innings pitched? 363 innings pitched. His whip, 1.379. His hits per nine? 9.5 9.5, and his strikeouts per nine, 6.8. And this past season, 2023, I mean, all-time horrendous for Madison Baumgartner. He had only four starts, 16.2 innings pitch, 19 earned runs over 16 innings pitch, four home runs allowed, a 2.4 whip. And If you want to see something crazy, his strikeout to walk percentage, negative, 5.6%. I've never seen a negative for his career. His strikeout to walk percentage, 16.8%. 2023 negative 5.6%, which is insane. And BABIP, batting average on balls in play, um, not very good for Matt Bum this past year. 3.50 BABIP allowed, 1081 OPS allowed, 3.47 average allowed like The numbers were screaming that Madison Bumgarner was getting crushed by the D-backs this past year. And honestly, kudos to the D-backs for moving off Mad Bum this year because he was so bad for the team. And it was a very smart transaction to send him to the waiver wire because he was absolutely horrendous during his time with the D-backs. And those stats are what we are trying to avoid with Erod. But I think Mad Bum had way more red flags than Erod had when he was coming in. Despite both guys being 30 around the time of their signing with the D-backs, Mad Bum had 700 more innings pitch than Erod. The arm on Mad Bum was just so much more worn out. I mean, when you look at his baseball reference, he had a lot of 200 innings pitch seasons like Credit to Mad Bum. The dude was a workhorse in his prime. And he also broke into the major super early. 19 years old, Mad Bum was a teenager when he made his first pitch in Major League Baseball. That is something unheard of. Like when Mad Bum is up for the Hall of Fame, like the honestly, his D backs tenure really does hurt his Hall of Fame candidacy, but his time in San Fran sat between a 2-7 and like a 3-3 year after year, 200 innings pitch typically, multiple World Series, top five Cy Young finishes, all-star appearances. Like, Mad Bum does have a case for the Hall of Fame. I-, I do think he needed a couple good seasons in Arizona. Unfortunately, he did not get that. But his arm just way more worn down than an E-Rod's when he came to the D-backs because Mad Bum just, just such a workhorse throughout his career. And E-Rod, Has not exactly been that, which we'll talk about later. And then also, like I just said, all those postseason runs. Like, Matt Baum has been to multiple World Series. He was pitching until the final day multiple times. He was the kind of guy, like I said, he was getting... Two starts in a series, plus coming out the pen to also save it once or twice. So this guy, by the time the season was up, was maybe at 300, 250 innings pitch, whatever the number is. So the dude was a complete workhorse in his prime. And also when you looked at the stat cast numbers for Mad Bum before he got to Arizona, his velocity was trending in the wrong direction. When compared to Erod, his velo on his fastball actually went up in 2023 as opposed to 2022. And I think it could go up again with Brent Strom now in the mix. Now, if you need a con against Erod, a red flag against him, his health history is also a bit concerning. Has only pitched at least 160 innings in a season one time in his career which is not even that high of a number so so when talking about workhorses Erod in terms of innings pitch per start he looks like a workhorse he looks like a workhorse he just never makes enough starts in a season he also opted out of the 2020 season because of a health issue but on the reverse side, you could say Erod's arm is fresher than most 30-year-olds because of the opt-out season, because of all the seasons. He didn't pitch that deep into the year. His arm is maybe fresher than most, 30 of you, most 30-year-olds. most 30 So if Erod can replicate what he did in 2023 with the Detroit Tigers, which was a borderline all-star season, again, missed time because of injury. But 26 starts, 150 innings pitched. 3.3 right, 1.153 whip, 8.4 strikeouts per nine. Erod had himself a very, very good season this past year, and if he can replicate those 2023 numbers for the D-backs, he will be the missing piece in the rotation. And speaking of rotations, we're going to check in where the D-backs rotation ranks in the NL West. And if you think the D-backs... Have a rotation that could win the World Series in 2024. Now why not go to FanDuel Sportsbook and place a little futures bet down on the D-backs World Series odds? Because get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 bucks if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit fanduel.com/slash lockdown and shoot your shot today. My favorite thing to do is the same game parlay whenever the Lakers are playing against a mediocre team. 80 over in points, 80 over in rebounds, Lakers money line, and that money line leg of the parlay has been hitting a lot more recently. So if you want to see That money hits your account. Just visit FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. If you like the show, please follow me on Twitter at thomas 24 for my personal account. Look up Locked on Dimebacks about Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And please hit subscribe to Locked on Dimebacks on YouTube. We are close to 1,000 subscribers. Want to hit it before opening day, so please hit subscribe to Locked on Diamondbacks on YouTube. But now... Let's talk about where this D-backs rotation ranks in the NL West, how it stacks up because the D-backs, of course, have improved their rotation this offseason. It was already looking pretty good coming off last year because Brandon Fott ended up turning into a revelation by the end of the year, but like as we discussed earlier on the pod, you can't have only three starters in the postseason. You need to be four deep, and the D-backs now have their one through four. Gallon, Kelly, Fott, and Erod, with Erod being the number three, Fott being the number four. So let's talk about how that D-backs one through four stacks up against the rest of the NOS, because the D-backs were not the only ones making moves, upgrading, and also losing pieces in their rotation in the NOS this offseason. So, I think it's easy to say. I think the Dodgers is definitely the most star-studded and deepest rotation when healthy. I don't think that's crazy at at all to say. Dodgers fans, you guys can have it. Most star-studded, deepest rotation when healthy as well. But I definitely think the D-backs rotation can match the production one through four when comparing it against the Dodgers 1-4, through four, and I honestly think the D-backs have one of the best 1-4 through four in all of Major League Baseball, and that will be, you know, we'll see that case study this season. When comparing the D-backs rotation to the rest of the NL West, I mean, we'll start from the bottom and work our way up here. Sorry, Paul Holden of Lockdown Rockies, but the Rockies rotation just, it just currently doesn't match up with, really any rotation in Major League like Baseball, maybe the Oakland A's, maybe like the Pittsburgh Pirates, but that Rockies rotation is gloomy right now. The Rockies lineup, I don't hate the Rockies lineup. I'm in on Nolan Jones, a little McMahon, a little Rogers, a little Blackman. The Rockies lineup, I think, could be solid. That rotation, though, is not good, Colorado. I'm sorry. D-backs rotation absolutely clears the Rockies rotation. Let's move up to the team that I think is going to finish fourth in the NOS, the San Francisco Giants. Listen, all Giants fans, I'm fine if you think Logan Webb is better than Zach Allen. If you think Webb is better than any pitcher in the D-backs rotation, I'm fine if you say that. But you can't tell me it's... The Grand Canyon is the difference. You can't tell me the Mexico Gulf Coast is the difference. Like, the difference is just maybe one hair on my chinny-chin-chin chin because the margin between a Logan Webb and a Zach Gallin, if you do think Webb is better than Gallon, it is, it is minimal at best. Those two are neck and neck with each other. So I won't argue if you're a Giants fan if you think Logan Webb is better than Gallon. I think Gallon is better than Webb, but I don't mind calling it a wash. But for the rest of the rotation, Robbie Ray, he's a nice little addition to the Giants' rotation. The only problem is he just got moved to the 60-day injured list. He may not debut till like mid to late August, so Robbie Ray is not going to be a major factor for the Giants this year. And to be honest, I think the Giants are a team that should think about signing Montgomery or Blake Snell because if, you're, if you sign Montgomery or Snell, then you if you sign Montgomery or Snell, you can just be. 500 by the time the trade deadline comes around then you add your Robbie Ray maybe you go out there and trade for a player and then all of a sudden you could be a second half team I think the Giants should give major consideration to bring in one of those really good starters still out there on the open market like if you're the Giants screw it bring on Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery bring on Cody Bellinger like we always say the Giants don't have enough talent Well, there's still a lot of talent out there on the market. Just go swoop them up for one-year deals if you're the San Francisco Giants. And just why not see what happens this year and then next year maybe decide to bring those guys back or maybe you could even trade them at the deadline. That's what I would do if I'm the Giants GM. But the rest of the rotation after Webb can't really match up with the Kellys, the Erods, or even the Brandon Fats of the world. Moving on to the San Diego Padres. I like Joe Musgrove a lot. I think he's something to watch out for as a trade candidate moving forward. He's only about 20 million a year till 2027. So he's locked up. You don't got to worry about that. And at this point, 20 million a year. Like Erod is getting 20 million a year. I think Joe Musgrove is better than Erod. All these pitchers over the next few years are probably going to get, if you're good, if you're like a two or three, you're probably going to get rotation salary starting. At 17, 18, 20 million dollars, because that's what we saw this past offseason. Guys like Frankie Montes getting like 17, 18 a year. So, if Joe Musgrove is on 20 a year till 2027, like that's a super bargain for how talented he is. I think the Padres might need to move him because the rest of the rotation has big question marks in it. And if you're not good, why not trade? Joe Musgrove and getting some more prospects back if you're the Padres, who quietly have a ton of young prospects on the bubble that could be called up pretty soon and a lot of highly touted prospects. So if I'm the Padres, I actually wouldn't mind blowing it up a little bit. Keep Tatis, probably keep Machado, and then everyone else, even the Bogarts of the world the you Darvish of the world, trade them all because there's so many young, talented players on the rise with the Padres. I would like to make that team a lot younger and see what that thing looks like. But getting back to the rotation, Darvish, he's turning 38 this summer. Like, How much more does he have left in the tank? I think that's a big question. And then after Darvish and Joe Musgrove, like the rest of the rotation might just be the Juan Soto pieces. And I kind of like some of those pieces that they got in the Juan Soto deal, but I don't know if they're ready to be everyday starting rotation guys in the middle of the rotation. Like We'll see about that. So Padres definitely does not match up against the D-backs in terms of rotation. So that, of course, just leaves the Dodgers. And again, I'm fine saying the Dodgers have the best rotation, but I definitely think the D-backs, pound for pound, can match production-wise with the Dodgers. Again, I think there's some inherent risk with the Dodgers' rotation. Yamamoto, I think, will be a stud and will be fine. But can he be a little slow adjusting to Major League Baseball in year one? I don't think that's a crazy take to have. Tyler Glass now, will he ever stay healthy? I don't think that's a crazy take to have. Never pitch more than 120 innings pitch in a season in his career, Clay Kershaw, Walker Buehler, when do they return? They're not starting the season with the Dodgers in their rotation. Will the Bobby Miller's of the world experience a sophomore slump? I don't know. I think the Dodgers rotation is the most talented, but I also think it has way more risk than the D-backs rotation. So for now, I'll say the D-backs have the second best rotation in the division, but I also think they but I also think the D-backs have a rotation built for postseason success. Now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy.